Community friends, and welcome to another episode of the Churchill Fellowship's Smart Mobility Podcast. I'm excited to tell you about Denver in this episode. But first of all, I'll say a couple of thank yous. So, thanks to Charles, Ramdat, and Billy Hadaway from City of Orlando for meeting with me, and also to Chris Castro and Jonathan Reichenthal for making the introductions. It was really great to have these conversations. Uh, with City of Orlando, some of the amazing things that they're doing and, and the vision for the future, which I spoke about in the last episode. So moving on to this week's episode, I'd like to share a story because I think it's important that we share these things. Now, it's a story that I have from Orlando where I started thinking a bit more about data and who has access to my data and what type of things that I needed to be aware of a single young woman traveling alone on this world trip and who I share my data with. And data not just in the sense of, you know, on my phone or, you know, using apps or ride chairs or anything like that, but also what data I'm verbally <laughs> telling people. Because sometimes I think we forget about this and that, you know, people don't always have our best interests at heart. And some of the things that we need to think about when we are in these situations that fortunately we have to think about these things. So as you all know, probably I'm fairly easygoing and I like to share a lot of information. I'm open and I try and be open and honest as much as possible. And I got a, a lift from my hotel into downtown Orlando. So Lyft is a competitor to Uber. I used them a bit when I was in San Francisco and it was all fine. But when I got into this lift, I sat in the front because it was a, which is irrelevant really to the story, but uh, it was like a van type thing. So I sat in the front uh, next to this guy and he just started asking some odd questions like, oh, you're, oh, where are you from? And I was like, Australia. And then he's like, oh, you know, people in Australia are really wealthy. Are you really wealthy? And I was like, oh, no, whatever. And then just started asking, you know, some more prying questions like, oh, so do you like to party? You know, what do you like to drink? These type of things, which... When you're sharing with a friend or, you know, whatever, it means nothing. But when it's somebody that you, you know, kind of in a vulnerable situation with, I suppose, and you don't realize that you're vulnerable until you realize, I guess. So then we started and I kind of just tried to give one word answers, but also, you know, I'm very aware that I was in the car with this person for the next 15, 20 minutes to get into town. And then he started, you know, asking, oh, what we're doing this weekend and uh, where are you going next and who are you meeting with and, you know, are you alone, these type of questions. And that's when I started to kind of click that I need to be a bit careful about what information I'm sharing, what narrative do I want to say, what, how much information did I actually need to give this person and really to give them any person. And the way that this rideshare kind of life or rideshare apps and things have changed the way that we look at using taxis or cabs, whatever, because you, you start having a kind of a, a surface level, but you have a different relationship with a rideshare 
than you do with a taxi. And some, you know, that's very positive. Yeah, you, know, you can have good conversations, you know, customer service, et cetera, et cetera. And also that you can pay through the app and all these things, all these convenience that it offers. But it also, if you're a vulnerable person, or well, you don't have to be a vulnerable person, but also it changes that dynamic. So then you start having conversations with people, which, you know, might be all well and good, and but it's something you have to think about. So anyway, we were still driving to town in the end, then the inevitable kind of maybe not inevitable, but it was like, oh, okay, so well, how about after work, I come around to your place with a bottle of wine. And of course, this person has picked me up from my hotel, so knows where I'm staying. And that's when I realized what a vulnerable situation I was in. And, you know, nothing happened. I just kind of pushed the question away because also I felt like I couldn't just be like, blatantly you know no or blunt or whatever because I'm still in a car with this person so who knows what they can and can't do and also I'm in a foreign country all my friends and family are asleep on the other side of the world as well so even if you know I don't know I don't really want to think about that side of things but and it was fine and you know he dropped me off and I never saw him again but it got me thinking about the level of information that drivers have and what is the need to know basis that we should or or that we want to be sharing with different parties. And this kind of goes to the Facebooks and Twitters and the LinkedIn's and the emails and all this kind of stuff. And it's not to say that we need to do anything differently, but I think we need to be a bit more aware and how can we get that information? How do I know what information this driver has about me? Do they have my full name? Because obviously I'm fairly searchable on socials to see where I am, those type of things. And I've had to be a bit more careful about where I'm posting, etc. And so they have my phone number. I don't want this person ringing me if it's not related to work uh, with the car trip, etc. And obviously knows where I'm staying and then knows where I've been dropped off. So roughly around that area. And, you know, if this person wanted to, they could hang around the area. So then when I order another one, because a lot of people, a lot of them drive for Uber and Lyft. So I kind of felt in a very quite vulnerable situation and I wasn't really you know, sure about what to do next. Anyway, it was all fine. But then I started thinking about people that are more vulnerable than me, knowing where their data is and what information they have to give over to certain parties and what's the need to know level that we need to start thinking about a bit more and taking control of our own data. And I think it actually starts with knowing where your data is and doing a bit of a personal data audit or something like that. Like, where is our digital footprint now? And so I've been looking at how to do this. But anyway, the point of this story is really that one, that we should start sharing these types of stories and start having discussions about this. And it's not that we have to solve all the world's problems. And that's a fairly mild situation that happened to me. But obviously, other things can happen that are much worse than that. And, hop- and happen quite often. And it's not the technology that's evil or whatever, but there are things that we need to think about. And it's not a just a blanket yes or no or good or bad. And until we start being a bit more data literate, I think we can't have informed, meaningful conversations. So I think there's a redefinition there that, that is starting to emerge in my head and probably has emerged in a lot of other people's heads way before I was talking about this. And how do we redefine that to then we are more data literate and then we do know what, who and who, who doesn't have our data and then when they can access it, what they can access it for and then after they're finished with it, how do we remove access? 
So anyway, I thought I'd share that with you just for something to think about, to throw around in your head. And if you have any questions or comments, please let me know. So let's move on to Denver. And let me just say, wow, I really loved Denver and what to say about it. And the reason I went to Denver was because I was moderating a panel at the Smart Cities Connect conference. And it was on urban operations, which, as you know, is a topic that I love to talk about. It's essentially making boring government processes more efficient, which I did say, and I don't think they appreciated. But anyway, and so thanks to Chelsea Collier and the team for inviting me along and really making me feel part of this. It was such a great time. I had such a great time meeting people meeting Chelsea in person and meeting the other people that I would only talk to in the digital world. So thanks again, Chelsea, and thanks for Regina for uh, helping me and organizing it and getting into some of the fun after conference events as well. So Chelsea Collier was episode 23, so really early on in the podcast um, when it was Smart City Podcast. So thanks, Chelsea, and it was really great to meet you in person. And I look forward to what we do next together because I'm excited. And just a little known fact, and maybe Chelsea doesn't even know herself, but she was really pivotal to me to start saying yes to doing this, to really back myself and believing that what I was doing or what I wanted to do was possible. She was there in the very early starts when I started talking about this and she really just said, Zoe, go for it. So thanks, Chelsea. And also, yeah, again, thanks to the team for organizing the conference. And what I learned from the rest of the conference was that there's lots of things happening. And I basically made a list of the next places that I want to go, places like Detroit and Columbus, because everyone is doing something. Particularly Detroit is really focusing on people. Maybe I'll talk about it later. But anyway, I'll talk about it now. He talked about, say, Uber and Lyft and like partnering with these companies and everyone was talking about them. And he said, okay, yeah, that's all well and good for us in this room. Everyone sitting in this room, we all know how to, we can use Uber and Lyft. We can afford it. We know how to use the technology, et cetera. But for people that don't, then what are the options? So I really liked that narrative because he really flipped it. And it's not to say that they're bad or good or, you know, it's inherently evil or anything like that or, you know, that we shouldn't be doing that. But we need to think about the 20% that don't get thought about. And I really liked that thinking. So I'm looking forward to talking to them. And, and then Columbus is doing lots in smart mobility. So it's really exciting. And there was also lots of talk about smart regions, which I loved and really working together in a regional sense and having those governance structures in place where there is a regional body that's helping uh, work on that. And then in the rural sense as well, I met some amazing people working in rural areas, which that we're having the same conversations as the people in the city. And I love that because rural people deserve exactly the same smarts appropriate to their situation. Okay. And so I look forward to following up with a number of people that I've met and having many more discussions about smart communities and smart mobility. The thing that surprised me about Denver was how cold it was because (laughs) we were on the plane. And I know I said that about Toronto but we're on the plane and the pilot's like, okay, we're arriving into Denver. It's 30 degrees, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, sweet. So I take my jacket off. Then I got outside and I'm like, oh, right, I'm in America. 30 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not the same as Celsius at all. So it was freezing cold. But anyway, it wasn't as cold as Toronto. But that's not what really surprised me. What surprised me was that there is a real social startup space that's present here. So 
this kind of force to address wicked problems facing Denver and the opportunities that are there really open that up. And I'll talk about that in a little while because that's one of the things I want to talk about. Anyway, and also the other thing that surprised me was that uh, I met with the South Australian delegation. So Andy Roberts, who I went to Japan with, he was there. So that was exciting and met with the rest of the delegation. So shout out to you guys and thanks for letting me tag along to exciting things you were doing. And also meeting people really trying to make a difference in these rural areas, you know, the South Australian delegation, but also um, some of the other exciting people in America doing amazing things. So the theme of this podcast is sharing, sharing services, particularly government services, sharing of stories and the sharing of success and failures. So let's start with services. So services, I'm talking about government services in general, but not even necessarily government services, but services that serve the community good. So we need these joined up government services. And I like really mean joined up. So the thing that really inspired me in in this space was I went to a 10-10-10 reverse pitch night. So thanks for the Australian, South Australian delegation for inviting me. 10-10-10, what does it mean? 10 wicked problems, 10 days, and 10 serial entrepreneurs. So serial entrepreneurs, these are people that have made money, are really purpose-driven, and they're kind of like in between what the next thing is. So kind of a really unique person to find. But they had 10 of them there, and it was amazing. And it really got me thinking about what if we could prescribe mobility as a means to address a health problem? And in order to do that, you need really joined up services. So to say somebody goes to the doctor and instead of getting a pill or, you know, another medication or prescription to something that, you know, has all these side effects, what if they could get subscribed mobility? I don't know, a bicycle, active transport. Maybe they could get a subscription to 10 past yoga class or something like that. And I don't know whether this is happening in other places. But I think some of it is getting subscribed exercise and those type of things. But I think actually it needs to be more than that, which is so people that are in vulnerable situations of homelessness, prescribing housing when those people go to the government-assisted doctor. So there's these in America or Denver, there's clinics or centers where people go if they're suffering from homelessness, they go to the doctor there. And really what the doctor wants to subscribe is housing, but they can't, you know, it's just the next medication or personal hygiene or, or those type of things. So if they could go for a health checkup and actually get the things that they need, which are housing, access to employment, access to mobility, rather than having to go one place there, then to the next place over here, which maybe they can't get to, maybe they don't know where it is, maybe they can't access it because of mental health issues or mobility issues, etc. Having those things joined up so it's a kind of a I don't want to say one-stop shop because there might be different people administering, but actually joining those up so people can have a seamless experience when accessing the services that they need. I think it's not just America that needs this. You know, Australia needs this. This needs to happen on a more kind of global scale because then also you don't have to spend all of your time and energy going from government to government, department to department, filling out the same form over and over again, remembering your you know forms of identity, all these type of things that as a person that is in a relatively well-off situation can kind of afford to do these things, it's annoying. But for somebody that 
is already in a tough spot, is vulnerable and is dealing with these clunky bullshit systems, it's just not okay because you just spiral out of control. If you're having mental health issues at the same time and stress, anxiety, all these things, I just think some of it could be really relieved with seamless services. I think that leads on to the next thing, which is stories. So actually sharing these types of stories, so asking the people what their story is, could help in joining up these services, working out what those missing pieces are, what those gaps are. But then moving on from that is the Smart Cities Connect Conference really emphasized the importance of sharing stories, to know what is happening, to know who to talk to, to know who to ask and then what to ask and then when to ask it. I think this is really important because you say there are known knowns, there are known unknowns, and then there are unknown unknowns. And you don't find out those unknown unknowns unless you share stories with other people. So these are projects across government. They're all from, and I think at the Connect Conference, there were vendors as well as government, as well as, you know, industry, academia. But what I'd also like to hear from is stories from the community and then across the government and businesses um, and also from all demographics, uh, which was done quite well at the Smart Cities Conference. But I think these conferences, we're still focusing on professionals. But what is it actually about? It's about the community. So how do we get the community excited about these things? And I think you do that by sharing stories. And then sharing stories with our peers and also creating stories as well. So creating memories, creating stories from these conferences. So then the next time we connect, that's the things that we can talk about. That's the breaking of the ice. Oh, you were at that conference? So was I. Oh, remember when we were there? I think that can really impact how we can work together in the future. Okay, so sharing stories. And that also means sharing successes and failures. And we say that we're okay with sharing successes, right? We're all high-fiving. That's great. And when we say we're okay with sharing failures, I don't think we're quite there yet. And the only way we get there, I think, is by sharing more and more, making it a common thing to do because then it becomes okay. Some of these uh, are starting to come out, but people are still scared to share in both the private and public sectors. Private because then they might not get the next job. Public because it's taxpayers' money. So in partnership, we need to agree on this. And this is both individually as a person and a company or agency-wide. And in partnership, if we can agree, then it's safe to do so. So I think that's important. And now we need to start talking about the return on investment in smart cities and community projects. That is what people actually want to hear. What are the real numbers? And this isn't just about costs and economics. It's about social. So how are we measuring both the quantitative and qualitative data? And that comes from both the numbers and sharing the stories. And they come together to, and then we can look at the return on investment. And that's Again, like we said, not just cost, time, resources, effort, emissions, social, well-being, those type of things in the community. That's the things that we want to talk about. The only way you talk about the return on investment is by monitoring afterwards. So we need to share about how we're doing that as well. And then finally, how can we take this to the next level and put it in a platform for sharing that is useful and accessible and that can generate more conversations And it's not about selling solutions, but it's actually about solving the problems, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the wicked problems that we've been talking about. So I'm really excited about this next step where we start really sharing the successes, the failures, the stories, 
And then we can actually look across the different services and join them up. So then people can have a seamless experience, a seamless experience to interact with the government, interact with their communities, interact with the other people in their lives and interact with the services that they need to live a more meaningful life. So I think that's enough for me for now. That was my experience in Denver and I had such a wicked time. The next place I'll be talking about is London, which I am also excited to share with you all. And thanks again for coming along the journey with me. And until next time, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Thanks so much for listening to this exclusive Churchill Fellowship Smart Mobility podcast. And thanks so much for your support and being part of SmartCom Posse. Please let your family and friends know and encourage them to come over and join our Posse. Posible.com and search My Smart Community. Thank you.